Welcome to Calispin Media Central Command. Today is June 7th, 2021. Now, well, before we get into the show, I want to do a special shout out to the new federal states of China. So, recently celebrating their first year anniversary of their founding. A man by the name of Miles Guo, a whistleblower who lifted the lid on the actions of what is said to be, and I agree, a worldwide criminal organization known as the Communist Chinese Party, or the CCP. The same ones, incidentally, who Jacinda Ardern seems to be hotly in bed with. Now, these people are not our friends. They are not there to uh, help build us up or support us in our quest for freedom, rights, liberties, and all the things people actually enjoy and want. They are completely diametrically opposed to that. So we are going to um, back the federal states of China. So I want to go on the record here that Counterspin Media and its team are 100% fully supportive of the new federal states of China. And their flag, of course, is right here. And we have that flag there for that reason, to show that this show is indeed fully supportive of them and their quest. Remember, these the Chinese people, the common people, are not the CCP. They are completely and utterly different. Bear that in mind. Um, I want to give a shout-out to people like we always do because we want to support them and we want other people to support them. People like Damien Dement doing it hard. Um, he looks like he's next up, like Lee Williams for the Council Culture Attack Dogs. Uh, Carol Saiki, Brad Flutey, Curious Kiwi, Liz Lambert, who works with me to do the load or title stuff. Uh, those who have gone to our website, I know we keep saying it's coming soon, but trust me, this time it's almost there. But if you register, those emails with all those forms will be coming out shortly. We'll be sending them to you soon. Um, also want to give a shout out to Coronavirus Plushy. He does some good work as well. Check him out. Um, the two guests who will be Skyping into the studio with me are Kyle Chapman and Adam Nuttall. Adam Nuttall uh, has a Freedom Factory. Kyle Chapman, part of Christchurch Patriots. These people uh, have been doing it from the start, right from the beginning of lockdown, but their origins go back long before that. And these two as well, especially Kyle, has had... Attack after attack. Believe me, I uh, know exactly how that feels. But, uh, you know, it's like water for ducks back because these just lefty lunatics and half of them are ignorant clowns who don't know what they're talking about. So another thing, all those people who used to ridicule, who used to badmouth, who used to call uh, people like me conspiracy theorists, when we talked about U.S. rigged elections, the lamestream media, who used to call us all sorts of names, QAnon and all that sort of thing, um, guess what? We're baking you now a massive humble pie, and we're, war- we're more than willing to get a shovel so we can push it down your throat, because soon you'll be eating that humble pie, and we'll make sure it's burnt when you do. Okay, in the studio with me Skyping in first will be uh, Carl Chapman because he has to leave in the not-too-distant future. So we will talk, we'll be talking about the digital warfare, uh, what's happening out there in the digital world, the freedom movement, the coming together, consolidation, the evisceration, the 
professional protagonists and the people that are doing all they can to cry, moan, ask for everything, offer everyone, and actually deliver nothing. There's also a lot of leftist lunatics and those who actually believe they're not leftists who are, I think, mentally deficient, and they really need to um, sort themselves out because they've got no facts and evidence. I've been calling for a long time. Do you have facts and evidence? Show me. Still crickets, still nothing happening. Still haven't heard from the politicians I've called out. Now, we've named politicians in the show. There's a lot more to come because, believe me, the information we've been getting back lately has been enormous. And it has reverberations to bring a lot of people and a lot of departments down. You know, we can talk about porn videos being made at Oranga Tamariki safe houses. We can talk about sex of... uh, girls in state care in the parks next to these state houses. We can talk about uh, police sex rings in uh, Dunedin. We can talk about um, certain deputy commissioners being involved in a whole lot of untoward things. We've got a lot of things that we're going to be bringing out. So again, facts and evidence only here. You won't have anything to take us out on except the fact that you're worried that you're next. Believe me. If you have something to hide, we will find it and we will expose you. So, welcome to the show, Kyle. It's um, good to good to have you, a fellow. How would you say, a fellow attackee? Eh? Yes. <clears throat> Thanks for the invite to come and speak. No, you're more than welcome. I notice online you've been taking a lot of heat, um, because oh, of a number of reasons. You've got some real um. What would you say? Complete people who should really be in a mental asylum. Yeah, some of them. Some of them are definitely in the crazy category. Um, you know, the, the as you were saying in the beginning, you know, the a lot of this information does come from the left. Um, it comes from Joe Trinder and Byron Clark, who are very cowardless and they they create half truths. Yeah, it's part of the communist way of doing things is to create lies in order to get what they want. And so they, they never tell the whole story of anything. They always make sure they dramatise the little bit of truth that they do and then they um, you know, chuck in some of their own imaginations on top of it to make it even a better story. Yeah, you're right. I've, I've seen that myself and I've read a lot of their rantings online. Um, I'm quite surprised because with, with me personally, the ones who are coming after me are the ones who are supposed to be outside of the equation. You know, I, I cannot understand can't comprehend a thing half of these people say now they they i have often said that these people should go to university and start archaeology because they love digging up the past Mm. so when you ask them so that's a good story but if you've got any facts and evidence to back that they've got none they're void of any facts and evidence do you find that yourself yeah i mean that they do have a little bit of evidence it's usually pretty ancient uh, yeah, the the main I suppose the main point that I've been trying to make the last couple of days is, you know, we we need to analyse them and their evidence. We need to find out is this person even real? Has anybody met them in person? Have they showed up at any event? So, and if they haven't, then are they really a freedom fighter or are they just a troll? Yeah, you know, are they a real person? You know, it is. You know, we're talking before the show. You know, in the old days, we didn't even deal with anyone we hadn't met face to face. That's right. You know, we would fly around the country to meet each other face to face. Yeah. And you know, we are actually going to have to go back to that because there's so many of these trolls. 
Yeah, you're right. The digital battlefield is is it's like it's like a minefield. You don't know what you're going to step on until you hear that click. Yeah, and when I analyse some of these people and talk to them and try to engage in them, um, it doesn't take long before their conversations become batshit crazy. Yeah, like complete lunatics inventing the most crazy things that make no sense at all. Even even the statements that they make don't make sense. Like yeah. that's just you know I've screenshotted some and put them up on my Facebook page of one of the main antagonists towards me. You know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I read one of them. Um, yeah. What do you say to that? Yeah. I notice also that there's a lot of there's a lot of people who are almost like it's a group think mentality. They come together. They uh, someone will invent a story, and it's usually an invention, or they'll get a slither of something that has been mentioned in the media. On one hand, they say they don't trust mainstream media, and on the other hand, they're trying to quote it to make their point. This shows how loopy they really are, correct? Yes, absolutely. And we we have history. These people have no history. Exactly. I would rather take someone with a bad history who I know isn't working with the cops or the left than take somebody who I've only ever seen them doing stuff on Facebook, usually trolling other people. I can't trust those people. That's I'd right. rather trust guys that have come from some kind of past. And everything they do about my past is taken out of context. This was the yep. way the left do it. So if these people that say they're in the freedom movement are doing it the way the left are, uh, the, you know, the way the left are doing it, then they're, they're actually working for the left. They're actually working for Cindy and her propaganda against us. Yeah, it's funny. When they show a photo, it's always the, it's taken out of context. Oh, absolutely. It's like your past where they – continually go on with the crap that you bombed firebombed a marae it was not the marae was it it was the building on the land that was separate from the marae because that's one thing you would never uh, cross the line and do you are making a point to do with the educational facility yeah. off to the side yeah I, I always targeted the education systems at the time that was yeah. the way I was I was yeah I was 16 to 17 years old and yeah just being chaotic. They never put that part in. They yeah. never put in the part that I never got caught for anything, that I confessed to it and brought it out myself so I could exactly. make it. They never talk about the fact that I went to the tribe and talked to them, to the runanga. Yep. You know, they don't talk about that stuff. No. Yeah, so they, you, you yourself, you went to them. After, you got away scot-free, but you went there anyway. You spoke to them. You confessed everything. You went through the process where everyone – was basically back to being on an even part. Everything was fine. Forgiveness was given. Um, sharing of emotions both ways, and everything was settled. And these but clowns they continue. Invented, they invited my mum to be on the runanga. <laughs> there, you, there you go. No, but hang on, no, that can't happen, Cole. Yeah. Sorry, that can't happen. You're white supremacist, remember? Yeah. You know, this is how much peace that we'd made during yeah. that process. It was a very powerful process. Yeah. And all, all these trolls now. They want to take away that blessing. You know, yep. they want to turn those blessings into something evil, and and that that's on them, eh? That's really on them. Yeah. Tro Joe Trinder is a coward, an absolute coward. If you rung him up and asked him for a meeting, he wouldn't show. I guarantee it. But yet he'll uh, take interviews with people like uh, what's his name, Sam from This Quality. I don't know. I don't think I it actually don't even quality at all. I can't watch their crap. It's just such bollocks. Yeah. Got too much other stuff to do, like talking about true stuff. 
exactly. This is half the time a regurgitation of, of other people's stuff or mainstream media when they have a slight take on it. Unless, of course, they're talking about people like yourself. I'll be next, of course, because I've just mentioned their name and said how stupid they are. <laughs> so <laughs> I'll take the heat off you because you know, I can add it to the list of people lining up to take pot shots at me. Well, that Joe Carrigan in Auckland one time said, oh, we won't have nationalists up in Auckland. And so I rung him up and said, oh, how about we meet and talk about this? And he changed his number. Wow. He changed his phone number. Obviously, yeah. because he didn't um, respond, I started getting other friends to ring him as well, <laughs> just to see if we could get a meeting out of him. But he was a total coward. Yeah, they usually are. Yeah, total cowards, those communists. Absolutely. Yeah, so so, so what else have you faced? I mean, because you've actually, because let's face it, you and I have known each other over 20 years. Yeah, absolutely. And yet, and of course, not only would you get your usual attack dogs, but now you've got a whole new litter that have been born out of our friendship and they're coming at you hard on that. Yeah, and, and as Adam calls them, they, these are the new awake, the, the new awakened people, you know. So a lot of them actually don't know what they're doing, so they just jump on the first bandwagon that comes along. I that. So you get, you get somebody that hasn't taken their bipolar meds, they have a big rant about lizard people and about something else, and then suddenly you've got a whole following behind that crazy person who hasn't taken their meds. Yeah. You know, they might have a following of like 800 people. I've actually seen it, this crazy person that's attacking me at the moment. She has like eight or 900 mutual friends. It's crazy. Wow. But, you know, they, they just these new awake people just jump on the first bandwagon that comes along. They have to be analytical about who they're following. They have to see who these people are, what their motives are. Are they crazy or are they real? You know, they need to see what's actually going on. Yeah, wasn't the one the one you recently blocked because she's a complete halfwit um, said something about her child is actually Jesus? Yes. Wow. Yes. I mean, as soon as she said that, I was actually trying to have talks to her about you at the time to say, look, you know, because my, my main thing is, you know, because I'm not a Freemason, I'm not into Freemasonry, but I believe in minding my own friggin' business. Yeah. You know, there's guys that badmouth the Pope and Catholics, but I'm still going to work with Catholics. There's yeah. people that badmouth the flat earthers, but I'll still work with flat earthers, exactly. even though I don't believe in it. Yeah. I believe that everybody has a right to believe in what they want to believe in. We're either free or we're not. Yeah. Even a racist is a free man that has a right to say his stuff. I've sat in houses with Maori nationalists saying real racist stuff, yeah. and I can even laugh at it. Yeah. Do you know why? Because they're free and they can say whatever they friggin' want in their own house. Exactly. I agree. <clears throat> yeah. There's a yeah. There's some real loopies out there. I mean, I was one of my married cousins, and he, he was watching the news, and it's just honky this and honky that, and we were having a good laugh. Yeah, because it's funny. Oh yeah, they can call us honky, you know, whites and all that. Just like, just like you know, just, if you're a trans person or you're completely confused as to whether you have a package downstairs or not. And you can say, you know, I'm LGBT. It's, you notice soon they'll have the whole damn alphabet in their name. Um, but they say, I'm this and I'm proud. And everyone goes, yay. And then someone says, I'm, I'm, I'm black and I'm proud. Yay. I'm gay and I'm proud. I'm this, I'm proud. Everyone's cheering. As soon as you say I'm white and I'm proud, you racist bastard. Yeah. And I believe everybody has a right to be proud of what they believe in and what they want to do as long as they're not hurting anybody else. Yeah, I agree. And I've, I've actually seen way more hate from the left than anyone else. They're the most hateful, bitter people you could ever meet. Yeah, I noticed that. 
I notice a lot of people who are actually continuing to talk about how righteous they are. They are the most evil ones around. Like everyone talks about freedom, independence, coming together, peace, love, moonbeams, round and round the mulberry bush, all the, you know, platitudes and and, uh, things they come up with. But there's one thing they're deficient on. That's any real clue. They have no clue what the hell they're actually fighting about. They're saying Freemasons are as bad as. Now, some people say, oh, you shouldn't really keep talking about Freemasons because you give them oxygen. No, what these people have to understand, it's just like they just see, because I've, I've until now completely not even worried about talking about Billy T. Kahika. haven't talked about him because to me he's irrelevant. He's a grifter on other people's what's name, and I'm calling him out right now. Come on the show, Billy. Bring your facts and evidence. I'll have mine, and we'll let the viewers decide who's right and who's wrong, because I guarantee you one thing, you'll be left wanting if you try to match and select with me. You can go on about your conspiracy theories. You can go on about Freemasons are bad, but unless you can prove it, shut your mouth. I I think it's a great idea to get everybody to talk to each other face-to-face. I think it's the best way to work everything out. It either gets worked out or you know you can't talk to the person. It's that simple. Exactly. And we can't work with everybody. No. We can't. It's actually impossible. You know, I can't work with crazy people. I really can't. I need to be able to know that the person I'm talking to has some brains and that they're actually going to be willing to listen and move forward and be positive and do stuff. I agree. We don't all have to agree on everything. We find the common denominator. We say, okay, we all agree that we want to see this happen. So we collectively bring that about. We don't have to say, oh, hang on a minute. We can't go work along these lines because you belong to this or you believe that or you believe that. And it's like what you said about the um, Catholics and things like that. If anyone says, oh, I'm a Catholic, we all don't say, oh, in that case, you're a sodomite. And you interfere with boys all the time, you know what I mean? Even though it's prevalent in the faith-based things. I actually know people that do do that. You know, just this week, part of the harassment I was getting was over my religion again. Yeah. I, I'm, I really get tired of religious dramas, eh? Yeah. That's why I'm not religious in any way, shape or form. I believe in something, you know, higher than myself. But until I actually have it in front of me and say, hi, I'm such and such, <laughs> mate, I'm not going to go down those lines, you know what I mean? There's something that made order out of all this. So there is a higher consciousness out there that I subscribe to. But I yeah. don't, um, I don't, I'm not Luciferian. I'm not, you know, yeah. It, you can talk to your blue in the face. It's just not going to matter to half of these half wits. Uh, and there's actually no point in doing it. You know, the old the old saying, don't cast your pearls before swine. I I believe in that. There's no point in talking to somebody that is going to hate what you say. Yeah. Absolutely no point because they will treat it under their feet. Yeah, I agree. So what are you actually up to now anyway? What are you up to these days? What have, what have you got your teeth into lately, apart from, of course, defending yourself against these attacks? Yeah, well, that's been dragging out a bit of my time when I've got <laughs> things to do. I'm, I'm working on a flyer at the moment, a pro-life flyer. Uh, about the 2020 um, abortion bill and about ho- all the horrible stuff that the government, um, you know, put in there and then wouldn't amend, like the, you know, the fact that they are doing eugenics policies around killing, um, you know, children right up to birth with Down syndrome and other defects, yeah. um, you know, and they just they deny it, but it's in there. It's, you know, we've got the documentation, um, you know, the fact that they can do gender selection right up to birth, 
you know, there's, there's all these, oh, there's no pain relief for any of the babies right up to birth, even though they give pain relief to baby calves that are getting aborted. Yep. It's absolute hypocrisy, some of the stuff that I'm, you know, working on at the moment. I hate hypocrisy. I'm trying to get this stuff sorted out. And just doing some stuff, um, working with some other organisations to bring these um, some of these things out, and obviously all the the um, you know the meetings that we do, like last weekend we did meetings. I had Sue Gray come and talk, and um, you know, and I, I try to I try to network with everybody that's willing to network with me. Yeah. You know, I think it's um, pretty good that we need to do these things. I'm very fortunate to have met all the a lot of these people face to face. I think it's very um, very good, and I think um, we need to build more of this face to face stuff. Yeah. If somebody wants to criticise somebody else now, I'll be asking the questions. Who do you know that I know? Because if you don't know somebody that I know that can confirm your identity, you you, you don't actually exist to me. Just push that block button and get rid of the toads. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I get the same Not the thing. Frogs, we love the frogs. <laughs> Pepe. Um, yeah. There he is. Adam's mascot. We'll have him on yeah, shortly. Thanks. Thanks to the Freedom Factory for letting me use their studio. Yes, yes. Well, we were going to talk to Adam about that too because he's yeah. actually doing good work down there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you're right. You know, just going back to when you were talking about uh, working with people uh, for a common cause or a common um, direction, if we listen to everyone on online, whether it's digital, on the phone, whatever, it doesn't really matter. If we listen to all them, about not working with someone because they had a problem with them. We no one would be talking to anybody. No, I was thinking this. Yeah, it's, it, if we believed everything we're told on Facebook, would be no isolated. One would be talking to anyone. Yeah, would be completely isolated. <laughs> no one would talk to each other. Um, the only good thing in that is we would avoid those lunatics. Yes. Because, like I said, I, I, I'm washing them off now. We're washing that stuff yeah. off now. Oh. Discarding them like yesterday's newspaper. Yep. If they're not confirmed to be an activist in this country, their voice means nothing to me. Do you notice, though, a lot of these so-called, and I'll call them so-called because they're not real. They're like this, fake as hell. You notice a lot of these people do not actually achieve anything. They've got no history of success by any stretch of the imagination. All they do is regurgitate the same tired old diatribe that is constantly polluting the digital airwaves. Most of them don't have a history at all. That's why I have my doubts about some of them being actually real people. You know? Yeah, I've had a few trolls that have actually been in my friends list for quite a long time, and then suddenly they pop up and start being a troll. Yeah, and Joe, Joe Trinder's definitely getting stuff off my page, even though I have him blocked. So there's still trolls oh, on sure. my page. Yeah, you know, so they're there. You've got to be aware of it. You know, yeah, like 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 my past has been brought up so many times. But, you know, I stand by every single thing I have done. Everything. Because I don't make mistakes. People have got to be understand this. No one makes mistakes. We do exactly what we wanted to do at that point in time. The only time people are sorry is if they get caught for something that they would rather not get caught for. But they're definitely not mistakes. They are free will and choice. So I stand by all of mine. What I don't stand by is the crap reporting and the fake lamestream media and these so-called freedom fighters who are off their damn rocker going, have you seen, I'll have, to, I'll have to call it out, Karen Brewer, I invited her onto the show before, I said, bring your facts and evidence, show me who these uh, pedophile, satanic, ad adrenochrome drinking, 
child sacrificing Satanist Freemasons are and we'll take them down. Crickets, don't hear a thing. Challenge Billy T, same thing. Come on the show, bring the facts and evidence, let's do it. No one says nothing. You know why? Because they've got nothing. That's all they do. They just rant and rave and you've got a whole clique of people who are like minions. They're like, he's like a bitch and these dogs are like he's on heat and they're running around after him like he's um, some deliverer for people from evil. Now, I don't like people talking crap about me when they don't have a clue about me. I've got this other troll who was on my page saying, we're taking you down soon, believe it. I've heard that for over 20 years from the state. You ain't got nothing. You've never had anything. Ten steps ahead of you, even when I'm asleep. So don't even try that. You know? And you get the same thing. They're constantly attacking you for things that are of little relevance today. It's what what's yeah, Kyle doing up, now? Up. Yep. Yeah, with this, um, you know, this white supremacy thing comes up almost monthly. Well, actually, it's probably weekly now. It's it's, it's always the same old crap. Yeah. And uh, I, I personally don't, um, you know, badmouth any of the um, personalities. You know, they've all got a following. They've all got good people that follow them. I think, you know, I think all those people need to be respected for the work that they do do. But, you know, there are people that we can't work with. And if we can't work with somebody, then we just accept it and move on. That's, you know. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we've got a lot going on here in Christchurch, and we're we're very happy to work with each other here in Christchurch. Yeah, you guys and do a good job down there. One, one thing I won't do, though, Kyle, I'm I'm not as nice as you. No, no. When these, <laughs> as you know, when people continually bag me, I ignore it for a while, but then they go overboard, and they keep going, and they keep talking to these people who don't bother contacting me. They're the first point of contact as far as my background goes, and I'm not happy with that being their first exposure, because that's, that sows the seed. You see what I mean? So I will call Billy Tikahika out, Karen Brewer out, and any other munter that thinks that they know me. If you can't face me and have the conversation and bring your facts and evidence, shut your mouth, go off and do your thing and continue ripping people off. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, we have a thing in Christchurch that we mind our own business and we don't tell each other what to do. You know, when the, we didn't join the freedom movement to have somebody else tell us what to do. So yeah, it's not freedom. Uh, you know, that that's why our organisation still is working, because we we don't control each other. We don't um, suddenly pick out things in each other's lives and go, oh no, I can't work with you because you're this or you're that. You know, that it's that's just um, we mind our own business. You know, we 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 do the work we need to do and we carry on. Yeah. And you know what? We have a really good working relationships. Yeah, you guys do. You've got a lot of cohesion down there, and you've got a lot of different, like you say, people from all walks of life, different belief systems, different paths of of what they think is the most prevalent thing to sort going forward in the freedom movements. But yet, somehow, you come together. <laughs> we all meet each other in the square mostly. Some of us knew each other a bit longer than that, yeah. but. You know, a lot of different backgrounds. You know, we all we all really care about each other and and you know go out of our way for each other because we've we've built a real community. Yeah. And part of that community is there, there is no micromanaging. Hey, eh? right. if somebody if somebody tells us what to do, they get the finger and yeah. the word and the verbal version. You know, <laughs> we've got about four minutes to go, so I want to wrap up because I know you've got to go. You have got uh, something else yeah, yeah. to do. So appreciate you coming on. Um, spending the time you know it's good is there anything else in particular that you you want to tell people out there you've got any events coming up that you want uh, people to know about that they can offer support of because you've got if is your any petition still going like you know I me mean, I, I oh. 
to me. Well, there's the um, yeah, there is a petition still going. It's the Safe Spaces petition for um, where they're going to start making, um, basically declaring where you're allowed to protest around certain things. So they're going to start it with abortion clinics, but it will spread. I guarantee it will end up being around Parliament and all those kind of things. I'll start declaring them mm. safe spaces. We've got to sign these petitions and get, um, you know, fight the government on taking away our freedoms. As soon as they take away one group's freedom, they move on to the next. They've been doing, They've been it, doing it for a year now. Yep. They've been doing it for a whole year of doing these backhanded deals to um, take away one freedom right yep. after another. You know, and they're going to keep doing it. They're not going to stop with one or two. So we've got to sign these. Um, it's Ken Moore's, Ken Orr's petition against the safe spaces. I can't remember what it is off the end, but you can look for it easily on the um, petitions website because there's only about 120 petitions on there. It's easy to go through them and find ones that you like. Just go through them and, and click su- them. Support the ones you believe in, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's easy to click. It takes it, you know, not even a minute to do a, do a click on a petition. And then, then you get a right to complain about something when you do stuff. Yeah. You know? it, and, we, and we've got some documentaries coming up as well. We're going to be working on a oh, few Oh, yes, document- I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, so I, I, the first one I'll be starting on is poverty, yeah. Plenty of that. Thanks, Jacinda. Yes, yep. And do you notice the down in Christchurch, you had a lot of flooding in the Canterbury Plains, a lot of farmers getting washed out, things like that. Yes. The government decides to front up with, you know, it's funny how the government says, right, the government is going to be allocating. No government, you don't allocate nothing. you got no money. You've stolen it off the rest of us. So what they should be saying is the people of New Zealand <clears throat> are going to give this much money to the farmers. Now, 500000 but they can give $3.2 million in that overseas for some, some things that they've got no relevance to us at all. So Brownie yep. points internationally, what, she's still going for the UN top job? Yes, I know. That's right. That's all she cares about is her UN job. Yeah, yeah. yeah she does. We, yeah, we've got shows coming up on her, her partner and everything. It's going to be wrapping up. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, good. Yeah, well, I intend to uh, unravel a bit of stuff about how real people on the street feel about her. Yeah, oh, exactly. Better, better do it, though. Yeah. So I'll add him on here now, eh? Yep. So what we're going to do is we'll go to a break. Now, thanks, Kyle, for joining us. Um, so people go and support the petitions on the parliamentary page, is it? Yeah, yeah, on the legislation um, petitions page, yeah. Ken Orr's. Yeah, if you look for Ken Orr's, that's the safe spaces um, petition. Yeah, but there's, other, there's heaps of them there to, that need attention, heaps of them. Brilliant. Yep, okay, people do that. Go to Parliament website, go to the, uh, to the submissions, find the ones you uh, agree with and you want to support and give that support to them and help bring a boost because these people are out there uh, – Shoulder to the grind and away they're going. Fighting for you, even though half of you are appreciated. I think it's petitions.government.org or something. I can't remember, but if, if they do a Google for petitions, they'll find it. Yeah, or DuckDuckGo. I prefer DuckDuckGo myself or things oh, like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, DuckDuckGo, yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, let's stay away from the uh, deep state stuff. <clears throat> we'll hunt okay. down heads off one day. <laughs> oh, they're all coming <laughs> down, mate. And that Chinese Communist Party who are the Labour Party backers and National, by the way, um, will definitely be helping to take them out too. That was a joke, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because next you're going to be done for incitement, yeah? <laughs> yeah, someone will, someone will grab that and say, and they'll shorten it and say, look at this. You know, it's a bit like Billy T trying to say, I'm, I said that uh, Freemasonry is a Christian order. Well, Freemasonry is, is a fraternity. Um, there's different orders in it. So he doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. And I said the Knights Templar. 
you have to be a Christian. And Billy, have a look on their own damn website, you clown. You got nothing. You have a fact, you're an insignificant nothing. So anyway, thanks, Kyle. We'll get into this. Um, we'll put people. <laughs> put, we'll uh, pick people up for the uh, for Adam to come on. Uh, Adam's not as animated as you, so I'm going to have to try and rack him up a bit. And, um, and check this out, people. Attention all you rule breakers, you misfits and troublemakers, all you free spirits and pioneers, all you visionaries and nonconformists. Everything the establishment has told you is wrong with you is actually what's right with you. You see things others don't. You are hardwired to change the world. Unlike nine out of ten people, your mind is irrepressible, and this threatens authority. You were born to be a revolutionary. You can't stand rules because in your heart you know there's a better way. You have strengths dangerous to the establishment, and it wants them eliminated. So your whole life you've been told your strengths were weaknesses. Now I'm telling you otherwise. Your impulsivity is a gift. Impulses are your key to the miraculous. Your distractibility is an artifact of your inspired creativity. Your mood swings reflect the natural pulse of life. They give you unstoppable energy when you're high, and deep soulful insight when you're low. And diagnosed with a disorder, that's society's latest way to deny its own illness by pointing the finger at you. Addictive personality is just a symptom of your vast, underused capacity for heroic creative expression and spiritual connection. Your utter lack of repression, your wide-eyed idealism, your unmitigated open mind. Didn't anyone ever tell you, these are the traits shared by the greatest pioneers and visionaries, innovators, revolutionaries, procrastinators, and trauma queens, on the social scene, space cadets, mavericks, philosophers, derelicts, business suits, flying fighter jets, football stars, and sex addicts, celebrities with ADD, alcoholics who seek novelty, first responders, prophets and saints, mystics, and JJJs. We substrate of the cosmos. It guides the very current of time and space. The way is known by some as the will of God, divine providence, the Holy Spirit, the implicate order, the Tao, reverse entropy, life force. But for now, we'll simply call it the way. The way is reflected in you as the source of your inspiration, the source of your passions, your wisdom, your enthusiasm your intuition, your spiritual fire, love. The way takes the chaos out of the universe and breathes life into it, giving it divine order. The way, when expressed by the mind, is genius. When perceived through the eyes, 
keepers of the flame. Wayseers have an unexplainable knack for just knowing the way. They sense it in their very being. They can't tell you why or how they arrived at the right answer. They just know it in their core. They can't show their work, so don't ask. Their minds simply resonate with the way. When the way is present, so are they. Society begs you to ignore it. The way stirs you inside. Neurological repression blocks most people's awareness of the way. Censoring all thoughts and impulses from the unconscious is their prefrontal cortex, the Gestapo of the brain. Nothing which violates its socialized programming even gets through. But your mind is different. Your mind has been cracked wide open to the way by some miraculous genetic trait some psychotropic chemical, or maybe even by the will of your own soul, your brain's reward pathways have been hijacked, dopamine employed to overthrow the fascist dictatorship of your prefrontal cortex. Now your brain is free of repression, your mind free of censorship, your awareness exposed to the turbulent seas of the unconscious. Through this open doorway, divine light shines into your consciousness, showing you the way. This is what makes you a wayseer. 90% of human civilization is populated with those whose brains are blocked to the way. Their brains are hardwired to enforce the social programming indoctrinated since birth. Unlike you, they cannot break out of this programming, because they have not yet experienced the necessary revolution of mind. These program people take social institutions and rules very seriously. Society is full of games programmed to keep people's minds occupied so they will not revolt. These games often cause sick fixations on peculiar protocols, power structures, taboos, and domination. All subtle forms of human bondage. This distinct form of madness is not only tolerated by the masses, but insisted upon. The programmed ones believe in rules so forcefully, they become willing to destroy anyone who violates them. Wayseers are the ones who call their bluff. Since wayseer minds are free to reject social programming, wayseers readily see these social institutions for what they are, imaginary games. Wayseers comfort the disturbed and disturb the comfortable. Helping those who are lost in these games and refuse to help themselves is the calling of many wayseers. Since wayseers are the ones who keep contact with the original source of reality, they are able to disrupt societal conventions and even governments to realign humanity with the way. The wayseers are an ancient lineage, a kind of priesthood, carriers of the flame, ones in the know. There must always be wayseers to reform the dizzying psychotic spinning society, giant mindless hamster wheels obscuring the pure blue sky, keeping humanity shackled in a darkened cage. So wayseers are called to shed light on the madness of society, to continually resurrect the timeless transcendent spirit of truth. Wayseers reveal this divine truth by devoting themselves to the birth of some creative or disruptive act expressed through all 
Councilman Central Command, we had a little bit of a technical difficulty there, apparently, who knew, Bat- uh, batteries on cameras ran out, and we didn't have any power plugged into them, so that's probably why you got that extra lengthy um, Wayseer's Manifesto um, tagline. So our next guest in the studio, we're not really in the studio, but Skyping into the studio is Adam Nuttall, he's from down in Christchurch there, um, he was actually sitting right next to Kyle, so he heard everything that was said. Um knows that I'm on my rant day today, um, but he's more conservative than I am uh, <laughs> and more stick to himself. But uh, Adam, first of all, you've been um, pursuing things. You've actually been out there and in-your-face type uh, freedom advocate and actually on the ground doing stuff, challenging the system, um, calling out the government for their lies, misinformation, their draconian legislation, their we-can-do-anything and stand on you bugs being the people um, and expect you to pay for the privilege and be happy about it. So give people a, a sense of uh, who you are, where you come from, and uh, before we get into the substantive part of our interview, uh, give them the social media um, sites that you can they can go to in order to find your interviews and things like that because you're doing a pretty good job down there trying to get things done. Yeah, cool. Well, thank you for having me on, first and foremost. Um, yeah, it's great to, to come on shows like this and just to um, have shows like this happening, really. Um, yeah, I guess my story's a wee bit different to many people. Um, you know, I've been a, a truther my whole life, as we say. You know, I remember um, at high school, you know, telling people not to trust the television and just being amazed that, that people would go along with such blatant lives, you know. So um, I've really spent my whole adult life speaking up just in society. So I haven't really um, had a public profile, so to speak, but um, just in my personal relationships, I mean, I just can't can't keep my mouth shut pretty much, you know, have to try and tell it how it is. So lots of these discussions that um, people are having now, you know, trying to wake people up and trying to communicate the truth is, um, they're the kinds of of discussions that I've spent my life having, basically. So, you know, I really come into this time with um, quite a lot of practice in um, discussing the nature of reality and a lot of practice just in dealing with you know, with people's um, views on truth, um, which have been quite messed up, really, to to be honest about it. Yeah. Um, you know, it's been uh, quite a strange journey. It's a you know a bit of a retarded society, to be fair. Um, you know, we we have got some pretty major issues here in the country, and um, you know, we've been really asleep. We've had a huge proportion of just really way too comfortable, way too asleep people. Apathetic. Yeah, apathetic and, um, you know, just not wanting to rock the boat and and socially timid, you know, people just, they want to conform a wee bit too much and, um, you know, this is a real force that people don't want to embarrass themselves in this country and I, I see that force as a huge problem really. So, um, you know, when the, the COVID thing first happened, when old Cindy gets up on the television and, you know, tells us all to go home and stay home, I was just, I was horrified. Um, you know, I, I just didn't, 
I didn't understand why people would accept direction from the Prime Minister like that. Um, you know, we simply don't live in a country where the Prime Minister can just tell us what to do. So um, at that, that moment, I sort of realised that um, it was game on very much so, that um, they were really going on their agenda and um, quickening it up. Yeah. So um, at that point, uh, you know, I sort of realised it was time to, um, you know, speak out publicly and to begin protesting, basically. So, you know, that's the, the kind of things that led me to the square, really, um, which you know, was a, an incredibly positive influence in my life, just actually meeting other people that wanted to, you know, talk about reality and, and the way things actually are and, and talk about information pragmatically, you know. And um, that's probably one of the biggest things I'd, I'd say to people is to, um, you know, get out and go to these protests to meet people, to form these relationships with people, because that's really where the answers are coming from. Um, you know, this is a human thing. It's about forming those relationships and just making it okay to make a stand and to, to speak truth, you know. Yeah. And um, a lot of what we did down here has been about breaking the ice. You know, it's been about establishing um, spaces publicly where it's okay to express opinions against the government and against the, the narrative that's coming out. So, um, I mean, that's really you know, how I came into this thing. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty much where I'm from. I'm, you know, I've grown up quite poor um, to a large extent. Um, you know, grown up in like white trash communities, basically, and, you know, have a lot of respect for, for poor people. There's a lot of talent in this country yep. that has been disenfranchised by the system. Um, professionally speaking, the, the biggest career I've had is as a beekeeper. So I was a beekeeper for a bit over a decade and, um, you know, had a quite serious beekeeping job there at, at one stage for about four or five years. I was, I was managing an operation. So, you know, I'm a technically pretty talented beekeeper, really. Um, and I've got quite a good understanding of what's happening in the agriculture sector. Yeah. So I sort of know how serious things really are systematically for us. Um, yes, yeah, so, I mean that's that's pretty much my background. That's brilliant. Do you find do you find it strange that common sense gets overtaken by hysteria? Like for example, case in point, you just mentioned uh, you got a prime minister who would assume to be able to tell the rest of the country what they can and can't do, like some yeah. sort of jackboot uh, dictator. Must obviously have gone to the school of the Chinese Communist Party. Must be a top graduate because she's doing exactly the same thing. Do yeah. you find even today, I go around and look at these minions scanning their bloody barcodes and wearing a mask on their own in their car and things like that. These, it's just ludicrous. Do you find these people, because they actually infuriate me sometimes at the level of stupidity, where is everyone dropping dead of this so-called virus? Where's this long, long arm of black death that's been wiping people out as you're going down the road? You know, it's just never happened. You have basically the flu. What I do believe is that the Chinese Communist Party, with U.S. money, was funding um, gain-of-function research in the lab, whether it escaped or whether it was deliberately let go. The plan around the whole story was to shut the world economy down because where does most of the 
uh, debt now reside in China's hands. So they wanted to position themselves to be the uh, world economic power. And with economics comes everything else, especially if you control the debt. Do you find, what's your take on the on the fact that you just can't seem to get through to people and they've got this minion-like mind where it's just like, yes, Jacinda, I will do. You know what I mean? It's like just stupidity. Do you find yeah. that? Well, absolutely, yeah. I guess, um, yeah, I'm coming at it from a point of view of already, you know, knowing that um, people honestly are this retarded, you know. Yeah. Um, like I, I have things I, I tell to myself, like little rules in life. And, um, you know, one of them is that most people are full of shit most of the time. Oh, absolutely. It, it just is what it is. It's, it's not that I want it to be true. It's just that that's what you find. And if you... You know, if you are listening to people with great respect, but realizing that they could plain be wrong a lot of the time, it's just reality, yeah. then you're, you're not as surprised when when people let you down, you know. Um, I mean, my life has been an expression of just how retarded the society is, really. Yeah. So I'm not at all surprised by it, um, as much as I am a bit horrified at times, for sure. The but, um, it, yeah. Yeah, definitely. But at the same time, um, you know, a sense of humor is the most important of the human senses, you know, and when we look back on this, I think we will find a lot of it actually quite funny. <laughs> you know, there is a lot of room for humor here, you know. Um, I mean, just just think about how stupid the average person is and then realize that half of them are dumber than that, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah Labour and Green Party people especially. Yeah, it is quite funny, you know. Um, at the same time, you know, in in my life, I've um, I've related to a lot of different kinds of people, and all kinds of people can surprise you, and all kinds of people can teach you something, yeah. you know. Even when um, they've staggered you with their stupidity in the past, they can still come out with real gems. So. You know, you really do need to listen to people and just look for the point that people are trying to make. You know, everybody's got a point somewhere along the line. And, you know, you, you start hearing things quite differently when, you know, you look at it through that sort of perspective. You're really. a very generous man, Adam. <laughs> You're willing to give well, everyone a go, even if they're completely loopy. Yeah, well, you know, somebody's got to do the job of being completely loopy, don't they? <laughs> Someone's got to keep their stats going. Government's got to be able to waste money somewhere. Yeah, that's right. And then it wastes yeah. in the right place. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, um, communication, really. A lot of it came down to communication. So I, I guess I could talk a bit about chalking. That yes. was quite a part yes. of my journey. And um, it's something that I'm meaning to get back to. Just lately, I've been a bit too busy. But, you know, chalking has huge power in expressing a message. You know, you can take a simple message, a simple idea, and you can find a good place yeah. to put this idea. And you can reach a lot of people, like hundreds and hundreds good of foot people. traffic, eh? Yeah, foot traffic, and even in some places you'll get vehicle traffic if you pick the right spot. Oh, yeah, and sometimes it'll last for an incredibly long time. I've done chalkings that are really prominent that have lasted over two weeks. Nice. 
No, so... Um, and of course, you're not defacing anything, so no one can do you for willful damage or anything. Well, that's right, because there's no damage, because it just washes off, yeah. you know? And that's that's the real thing that, um, you know, a child playing with chalk on the pavement is socially acceptable, so why not somebody with a message, you know, something to say, yeah. hey? Um, I actually had the police called on me for chalking quite a number of times. I've, I think I've lost count, but um, probably seven or eight times. Wow. Um, I think seven or eight times just at the Bridge of Remembrance, actually. <laughs> you know, so you just find yourself in these conversations. We're going to rename New Zealand, Narc Zealand. <laughs> yeah. Well, Elizabeth, yeah, but, you know, I just see it all as opportunities. It's opportunities to talk to the police and inform the police, and, you know, they're just more people that you can reach with the message, really, aren't they? Yeah, they are. Now, you had... Um... <laughs> You had a few interesting um, events, like when you sat in the in the doorway of a bus, uh, where you wanted to be ticketed to prove a point, and no one would give you a ticket. What was no. that about? Well, that was quite bizarre, really. It was the um, first day of the mask mandate on public transport, and um, I found it quite disturbing. I really did, and um, I just didn't feel it, it could be allowed to just go ahead without making some kind of stand or statement. Yeah. And um, it was my feeling that they hadn't got their ducks in order, and although they were saying they could write a ticket, um, my guess was that they actually weren't ready to write the tickets and that um, any early tickets would be extremely contestable in court. So I decided to um, hatch a plan that would hopefully force them to write me a ticket because I realised that they simply wouldn't want to. And um, they'd been saying that they would be at the bus terminals in in the paper. So this sort of covered me a bit, you know. So um, I hatched my plan and went into the bus exchange just before lunchtime. Um, It was pretty quiet, you know, so not massively disruptive. And um, I just unwrapped my flag and sat in the doorway of the bus and um, said that my only demand is to receive one of these tickets. um, (laughs) Most people try to avoid them. Adam wants to collect them. Yeah, I want one, you know, I want one. You're going to threaten my people with a fine. Well, you know, give me the fine now so we can go before a judge. I mean, this was my basic position. It was a pretty simple position, really. And needless to say, the police weren't there. But, um, you know, the the woman security guard there, of course, rung the police straight away. So it was a 111 call, and she read out the letter that I'd handed them, you know, because it was all very clearly communicated. And we waited for the police to arrive, and um, we waited for the police to arrive and continued waiting for the police to arrive. And you've got to realise they're about 400 metres down the road is the central police station. And we're hearing sirens coming in, the sirens keep driving, you know, they're going somewhere else. And the time's dragging on, and it gets a bit over an hour, so it's been an hour, and I'm sort of realising that the police are just not coming, they're just a no-show. They could have crawled up from there faster than that. They could have crawled there faster than that. And you've got to see the scenario. This is in, you know, the current terrorist-like environment. I've literally taken possession of a bus, and I'm not allowing it to go anywhere, (laughs) and the police are not responding. You know, they're literally not responding. So, I mean, they really let down the, the bus company there and the bus exchange company, you know. This is an extraordinary situation in my view. Yeah. Um, and I decided that I would sort of lose my reasonableness argument if I continued for much longer, yeah. and that was sort of the key 
of the legal defence really was that I was going to compare my reasonableness to the reasonableness of the government. Yep. You know, That's a good point. And so after about an hour and ten minutes, I decided I was just going to walk basically. And um, so I just walked, and I think the driver, um, the driver was really good and really friendly actually. And um, I think the security guards who who weren't good and weren't friendly, but I think anyway. And um, proceeded to leave the building, and uh, one of the security guards come up to me and starts telling me he's going to trespass me and asking me what what my name is, etc. So I just told him good luck with that and kept walking, you know. Sorry. And I'm, I'm flying a flag at this stage, so there's no, you know, I'm flying a flag and walking slow, you know. There's I'm no going to trespass flag boy. Yeah, that's right, flag boy, yeah. So as I'm, I get a few hundred metres away from the bus exchange and then the police turn up. <laughs> You know, like they were obviously watching. I suppose they didn't send you a taxi. Yeah, that's right. And um, they caught up with me later on about a block away. Um, lots of police just surrounded by police. And um, there was a, nine of them on foot in three or four cars or something. Just a huge turnout, really. Wow. And um, all they wanted to do was issue me with a trespass order from the bus exchange in um no ticket and and I asked them you know can you issue a ticket and they said that they could but they declined to wow. so yeah did you fight the um, trespass notice I mean it is a public place after all it is a public place no I haven't contested it but um it, it carried on from there. A few weeks later, um, one of my friends that was with me in filming, um, he got approached in the bus exchange by the same security people, and they trespassed him when you know all he had done was film. Literally all which he has done, a right to do in a public place. Exactly, which he has a right to do. And um, so they trespassed him, and it was quite a big deal. And um, yeah, you because know, he actually relies on the public transport. He hasn't got great health and stuff like that, you know. Um, so, I mean, I, I felt quite bad about that, really. So we put up a bit of a fight and, um, you know, we sent complaints to the security guard company and the um, security guard organisation and the council who's part owner of the bus exchange and the bus exchange operator and made a complaint to the ombudsman about it. So we sent off quite a bit of communications over this. And there was a few discussions back and forward and about 10 days later, they actually dropped the trespass order. They weren't going to be able to defend it in any way, you know. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, I don't need to go to the bus exchange, so I've just left it at this stage, you know. Oh, there's always a chance to rack it up again later. Yeah, that's right, yeah. yeah. Now, how did you get on with, because you did a great job um, supporting Presalia in the managed isolation quarantine facility. How, yeah. Give people a sense of, because uh, a lot of people haven't heard, um, and yeah. I want the people who watch our show, Quite discerning, actually. Very intelligent people watch this show, yep, or sure. trolls who want to try and take pot shots. But hopefully, they'll get educated. How did you get on with that? How did you decide that's it? Oh, that's another front worth opening up and fighting. Well, I've I've always been a bit disturbed by the way that they can just detain people like this. It's you know the MIQ facilities is a major breach of our human rights. 100%. So I mean I've been looking for ways of attacking that system, you know, for lack of a better term. Yep. And then um, I got contacted by Prasalia. She just reached out to me. Um, telling me that she had come from Australia and that she was not consenting to the PCR test. Which is useless anyway. That's right. And that they were talking about, at that stage, that was just talk, talking about keeping her in for extra time yeah. as a result of this. So um, I began um, 
you know, putting myself in a position to be an advocate for Presalia, and we lined up an interview and we did an interview out on my Facebook page to let her know what's happening. And um, she subsequently did get the order. And um, it was a couple of days after that, um, I actually got tagged in a post on, on Facebook um, talking about Guy Davies and asking if there was anyone in Christchurch that, um, you know, could help him out and, and be an advocate for Guy, so I, I reached out to Guy Davies, and um, it turned out that he had come in um, on the same day as Presalia, oh, wow. I believe on a different flight, but from the same place, and that likewise Guy Davies was not consenting to the PCR test. And um, I mean, the amazing thing about the situation really was that two of them went through at the same time and that they were both just such um, strong people in their own right. Yeah, you need more of them. You do, that's right. And um, I mean, essentially all they did was not consent to a test. This is absolutely their right. That's right, yeah. And so we had, um, there was a bit of back and forward. And um, Presalia received the order, um, increasing her stay for 10 extra days, and we'd sent letters cautioning them that there's a good chance of a legal challenge. And um, they weren't issuing Guy Davies with his order. They were dragging their feet on it, and we were coming up to the Easter weekend. So they were really, you know, playing slow ball like they do. And um, I decided the situation really needed pushing a bit. So um, I went and, and found Anna Stevenson, who is the medical director of health, um, found where she worked and went and asked for a meeting with her, basically just rocked on up and um, introduced myself, told them I was advocating for a couple of people in MIQ and I wonder if I could, you know, talk to somebody around Anna Stevens or maybe if she was available, talk to Anna herself. Yep. And so Anna um, agreed to meet me and came and um, had a sit-down meeting with Anna Stevenson and um, another gentleman off the top of my head, I can't remember his name. And I actually um, audio recorded the meeting, and um, it's quite interesting audio. And in the end, um, I just cautioned them, um, you know, straight up about what was going on and, and the likely repercussions of these orders and that we would be contesting it. And, you know, it was, um, it was a very cordial meeting. We were all very polite, and, you know, it was a very professional meeting. Yeah. So from that point of view, I'd have no trouble releasing the audio, but... Uh, the thing was, um, I was really there acting as an advocate, so I really wasn't there to do any sort of ambush journalism or anything. Yeah. So, you know, for those reasons, I didn't release the audio, and I, I probably never will, you know. Um, but they were quite shaken, I guess, by this. Um, it's a bit hard to tell. They, But they turned around and um, issued Guy Davies the order for an extra 10 days. Wow. But then they also issued his wife in order to stay for an extra, I think she got an extra six days. And this was the real outrageous thing about this incident, that um, Guy's wife, Caroline, who he was in there with, um, Caroline did consent to the PCR test. And so by this stage, she'd had two PCR tests, and they were both negative, okay? And, um, you know, Caroline's not in great physical condition, so there was some concern around her ability to, you know, look after herself if she was released from MIQ without Guy. Yep. And um, these were concerns that I conveyed to Anna Stevenson, <clears throat> excuse me, and um, 
and you know just their duty of care basically that they had around this situation and so the way they chose to deal with it was to um, detain Caroline for an extra six days when she'd been separated from Guy and she'd had two clear tests at that stage so I mean this was outrageous just yeah. an absolutely outrageous decision um, and then Caroline didn't want to contest it you know I mean that's why you know, she consented to the test all along. So, mm. I mean, it was quite a difficult situation for us all, really, that, you know, there was Guy making his stand, which was good, and, you know, Carolyn was being really affected just as collateral damage, basically. Um, you know, it was a, a really difficult thing to go through. And um, so in the end, you know, we decided we were going to contest this. We certainly, you know, we couldn't let this sort of behaviour stand. So... Um, we decided to um, make an application to the High Court um, seeking a writ of habeas corpus. Yep. Um, you know, it's a, it's a really old kind of filing. It's a very common law kind of filing. So it really made sense in Presalia's case especially, but, you know, in terms of both of them. And um, we, we felt like we would be able to engage a lawyer um, for this process and we did try to engage a lawyer extensively um, quite quickly I got to the point where I realized if I spent my time trying to engage a lawyer that I wouldn't have any time to try and prepare the documents ourselves yes, true. and so that if you know if we failed to engage a lawyer there would be no application so at that point, um, I actually gave the job of trying to engage a lawyer over to other people and just concentrated on, on trying to you know, make a, a writ of habeas corpus application to the high court when um, you know, none of us really knew what we were doing. So, Trial and know, error. Trial and error, it's yeah. It's like the jab. Right. Trial and error. It's experimental yeah, serum. Right. We'll see if you're going to turn out yeah. to be like a frog. Yeah, that's right. And so, um, you know, we got the paperwork together as best we could and um, just rocked on up to the registrars at the courts well, and the conversations, you know. Nice. And um, they were really good, actually. The registrars at the high courts were very helpful and they agreed to put the filing before a judge, um, you know, rather than rejecting it. There was a lot of unique circumstances in the filing, you know, to be fair, yeah. eh? Um, with people in MIQ. So, you know, it was actually quite a big deal to the High Court to arrange this. And um, it took us a, a couple of days of back and forth and, and, you know, quite a lot of time. It's quite difficult to, um, you know, prepare these filings correctly, actually. It is a wee bit difficult. There's a lot of details that you have to get right. Yeah. And um, so eventually we did actually get um, the judge to um, uh, assign us a hearing. Um, for later on the, the next week. And um, subsequently, Guy and Prezalia got released um, before the hearing. So the hearing would have happened before the 28 days maximum. Yeah. And they got released, I think it was around 22. Okay, somewhere around. that's pretty good. Yeah. Still too long for, a, for basically yeah. something that's a load of Cobb's wallop. Yeah, and... It really is very contestable. If, if the Easter holiday wasn't there, we could have got a hearing a lot earlier. Yeah. Um, so the situation really is sitting there just waiting for somebody else to come along and say no, just say no, yeah. basically. It's pretty simple, you know? Yeah, exactly. So let's follow, let's follow that train of thought on to the experimental serums. We'd, I'm, I'm over-calling them vaccines because they're not. Mm. 
So the experimental serums, that is against the Nuremberg Code and everything. I'm surprised the recent court case that was taken did not include that as a main point, you know. Definition of words, legalese, and, and that we know they change and chop those to soup. It's all down to interpretation. But if you make it pretty clear that, hey, what you're doing is chemical warfare on people, biological warfare, then that should really take precedence in your argument, right? Yeah, well, there is, you know, all the laws like the Nuremberg Code and, and you know, things you're talking about like that, um, it all relies around informed consent. So, you know, the same doctors take an oath um, that is around doing no harm and informed consent. So when you start messing with informed consent, you're really messing with the legal protections for the medical practitioners yeah. and even, you know, the bureaucrats involved in the rollout, you know, um, these people have duty of care obligations and they actually have obligations to fully inform people and, you know, to give balanced information on on these sorts of things. And it, it really is around where there is risk, there must be consent. So, you know, they, they've abandoned the rule of law in this rollout in a real troubling kind of way. And if we look at um, how they reacted to Sue's case, for example, they've, they've actually broken the Medicines Act. I don't mean that they disobeyed the law. I mean that they've taken the Medicines Act and, and fundamentally broken it yep. um, rather than admit that, that they were acting unlawfully. But was you know? anyone surprised? I mean, come on, this government and successive governments have a history of a litany of changes, of obfuscation. They just destroy any notion of law. The, everyone talks about the Bill of Rights 1990. It's subordinate legislation. It actually has no power. As soon as people get their head around that, they'll stop arguing it because it means nothing. What people should be concentrating on is that all acts bind the crown, not you and I. It's just government and their minions. It does not bind us. Mm. So, yeah, well, that, And a lawyer won't argue that, though, and that's the most disappointing yeah. part, I suppose, because they're part of that crown. Officers of the court are part of the crown. So, And that's why your idea when you decided how I'm going to take this rid of habeas corpus, and I'm going to do it myself. Yeah, that would have had a lot more pull or push behind it than having someone in the legal profession argue it because they have to stick within bounds that they're bound by. You're not bound by that. You actually sit outside of their law. That's a fact. The only thing you fall under as a man is common law because that's that's yeah, everything. That's right. And it is um, a, a weakness of theirs is just ordinary people standing up and engaging the process. They definitely have a great weakness there. Um, there is a difficulty in the high court. You can't actually make representations to the high court unless you are a lawyer um, or you are defending yourself. So um, in the, the case of MIQ and, and, you know, asking the court for a writ of habeas corpus, you need to represent yourself. So it really does take people who, you know, have some presence of mind and present reasonably well in the court to challenge these sorts of things, you know. And that on uh, its own is a crime. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. That's that's exactly right. That um, you know, ordinary people who aren't eloquent, they deserve justice as well. Exactly. You know, I've I've known some really smart people that can't communicate very well. 
You know, why should they receive less justice? You know, it it's just shows how fundamentally broken things are. And and that's, you know, really what we're having here is, is a proper constitutional crisis. You know, this really is a proper constitutional crisis. In, um, it would be if we actually had a constitution. Well, we we don't have a written document of a constitution, but we do actually have constitutional protections in this Where? system. And that's, well, the, the constitutional protections are around people's right to object, basically, and people's right to not comply. And it's a bit complicated to explain in a constitutional law sense, because we don't have a constitution that spells it out. Exactly. And, you, we, you know, and the big complication is actually being able to consent or not consent right. or withdraw your consent. Yeah, yeah. But really, the big thing... Um, you know, our constitutional arrangement comes back to the Petition of Rights, which was in 1627, and it really secured the rights of the people to petition the Crown for their grievances and protected people from persecution for doing so. So it's all kind of hinged around that. So, um, you know, if anybody says, oh, you know, protest doesn't do anything, what's the point in coming out? Well, exact opposite is actually true. This is our, our constitutional protection are all around our right to not comply, basically. Yeah. You know, we don't actually have to follow unlawful laws. We can just say no. But when you know, when people like you say no, the police still arrest you, still take you to court, still fine you, and in some places still put you in the clink. So how does that, how is that protected? Well, for a lot of people, they don't. So for a lot of people, when you're actually eloquent about your rights and you're aware of your rights, yeah, they don't arrest you and they don't throw you and in that's the camp. The key part you're I was... worried about getting sued. Yeah. No, because this is actually how our rights are redressed in this system, okay? Like you were saying, the Bill of Rights is a subordinate is. Um, legislation. That, that's right, it is. But you can still... Um, sue the government for breaching your rights under the Bill of Rights, or you can, you know, seek a declaratory judgment from the High Court because, you, in your opinion, something is unlawful because it breaches your rights. So it's these subsequent legal actions is where our rights are affirmed, and that is both the strength and the weakness yep. of our system, really. And my, my issue is this. Unless the person of average intelligence can comprehend the law, it should be declared void for vagueness. You should not have to jump through hoops just to get justice. You should not have to get a lawyer to interpret the law who another lawyer opposing you interprets it a different way. It gets dragged out. You go broke before you get any sort of justice. And most of them dump you like a hot potato because you run out of money. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. It's incredibly expensive. And what um, happened to justice people. will not be sold? Well, that's right. Well, really, we should have a, a Crown agency taking the government to court to test these things. You know, we need some body that's able to contest this, even if it's a civil body, nothing to do with government. But the government you is know? the Crown, Adam. This is where people yeah, have gone right. off the rails. Yeah. The government no, the whole is completely off the rails, yep. mate. The government is the crown. With the passing of the 1986 New Zealand Constitution Act of the same year, Parliament opened up the next day and assumed parliamentary sovereignty. They are the crown. Nothing to do with the Queen. It's a corporation, as we know, running the show. So mm. all of this thing about crown 
guaranteed rights and freedoms are a load of bunking. The last um, true monarch was King Charles. He was tried for treason and had his kid cut off. 1649. No, 1469. I think it was. It was, it was 1649. Yeah, 1649. Yeah. So there's nothing to do with the queen or monarch right to this point. So that's mm-hmm. why you have a Queen's Coronation Oath Act because she has to mm-hmm. check everything for Parliament. What happens when we appoint a Governor General? The Queen doesn't do it. The government no. says, okay, we'll appoint this person as a Governor General. And then there are other puppet that they appointed before that, puts on another hat, signs it off by orders in council. It's circular. Nothing to do with going outside. They've got the sh- show rigged and they're wrapped up. Yeah, that's right. Rigged as. And um, it's interesting you mentioned the Constitution Act 1986. That is actually quite a um, key problem in this whole thing. And, um, if, yeah, if you read um, constitutional scholars around this subject, that's, that's the kind of talk that you find. This has always been contentious. Yeah. Um, it's always referred to as a work of legal fiction. Yeah. Um, if you try and read it yourself, it is a fairy tale. Yeah. This thing is a fairy tale, mate. It's ridiculous. It's like it the Treaty of Waitangi really Act, 1975, it, complete like fabrication. Yeah, complete fabrication. Um, the real problem around the 1986 Constitution Act is that the the Parliament has declared itself supreme sovereign without consent of the people. Correct. So they're basically, in a constitutional sense, they've done away with separation of powers completely um, without consent of the governed. So there's a, there's a very convincing argument that basically all legislation passed since then is unlawful. Exactly. But, you know, it really is a mess. The constitutional arrangement in this country really is a mess. And it has precipitated this current crisis that, you know, it's not going to end in, until we become a growing up country. Absolutely. That's really how I see it, that, you know, we are heading towards a, a collapse of the system. It's just under the weight of its own bullshit. Yep. And, you know, we're going to need to, you know, put things back together one way or another, really. And deliberately so. That's why I keep saying, counterspin media and places like yours, we, we are the crest of this human tsunami that we're building to push back against the state and the international um, backers who keep this fraud, this animal alive. We want to starve it. We can, the country can live on, but we need to kill the system, without a doubt. Yeah, that's right. And and really all the solutions do come from conversations yep. and just people learning to, to talk to each other and talk to people that they disagree with, you know. And um and I mean that's the whole reason that I started the show, which I haven't actually mentioned yet, the um Freedom Factory. So I've got a show, Freedom Factory. Yeah, you were meant to tell us about all the social media and everything. So bring it on yeah. now. Yeah, so um, we call it the Freedom Factory. Every Sunday night, we live stream at 8pm. We're on most platforms. Um, You can find us on Telegram at um, the Freedom Factory. And I think you guys are going to chuck some links in the description and stuff, eh? We'll we'll find some links there. I'll chuck them in the comments. Um, yeah, we just started a, a few weeks ago. We're up to episode five is coming out. Um, what for us is tomorrow night. For what you guys watching was probably a couple of days ago. And it's really, the show's really about um, giving people an opportunity to tell their story. You know, we have lots of interviews and examine some news and stuff. Yep. And um, I mean, that's really what it's about. It's, it's about 
fostering this these conversations and you know um, people getting a chance to represent themselves because such a huge part of this problem has been the deception of the media oh, and the big time. you know the misrepresentation of the media that people are just so misled by everything and um, you know I, I fundamentally don't think that that people are actually that stupid you know I think people are actually quite smart they just they don't have access to the information they're misled about things and so the more we can have these conversations about reality and the more we can get people used to discussing reality the more we can change reality you know that's basically my approach yes. yeah that's a good that's a good viewpoint good way to look at things but like you said there are still going to be that component that are completely stupid. Yeah. Yeah, well, there's just there's no accounting for that. But, you know, we don't have to reach everybody. We really don't yeah. have to reach everybody. You know, it, it's maybe 10% of the population that actually change things. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we just need to think of reaching quality people and, and just, you know, try and conduct ourselves in a good manner. Yeah, have all the other idiots go and get the jab. That'll get rid of them. Yeah, for sure, yeah. I think it's a good idea because I, I actually, like I said, I think the jabs will push up the pandemic. Just like every other vaccine in history, uh, the HIV one as well. As soon as they come out, yeah. Fauci up to his eyes, balls in that too. They start vaccinating for HIV and AIDS. First of all, it was HIV, yeah. and then they said HIV slash AIDS, and then AIDS. It's just like you know, global warming slash climate change, and they move it over to climate change, just mental um, warfare as well. And that rose. It rose fast and it rose on an upward trajectory of all the people who got infected with HIV. It was in the damn vaccines. Yeah, that's right. The statistics of vaccines are very interesting when you start digging into them. Except no one you know, wants my, to know, way. Yeah, myself, I think that, um, you know, a huge part of this whole process that the whole world is going through is about the discrediting of the system. And that I think after the consequences of what has happened over the last few years and what's happening now, after those consequences come down the pipeline, I really don't think people are going to believe the government or the media or trust the banks for at least a generation. Even then. That's yeah. That's New what systems. we've seen in the past. You know, if you if you talk to people who um, you know grew up in the Great Depression, as you know, I'm sure you're old enough. You've you've had some conversations in your life with them. You know, these people never trusted the them. But they didn't. You know, our grandparents, hey, they saw banking quite differently yeah. to how our parents saw it, and it was because of this betrayal, basically. Well, money used to be worth something back then. Yeah, well, money used to be money back then. Gold and silver minted coins. Well, it's just like before, you know, we take 10 cents up and we'd come back with a box of stuff. Now you can take 10 cents up, they're laughing you out the door. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's the money, money's devalued, and that's why things seem more expensive, but they're not. Yeah, well, yeah, um, you know, I got my head around how the currency works like 15 years ago. Yep. So I wrote policies on oh, it. Actually, no, longer than that, 25 years ago when I think about it, the mid-90s, mm. you know. So it's quite frustrating watching all of this and the levels of ignorance. Um, I guess if I was to sum it up in one phrase, I would say that bank credit is counterfeiting. Oh, it's a, it's yeah. a Ponzi scheme. It's just counterfeiting. It's, it's a Ponzi Australia. scheme. If we did what they were doing, we'd be in jail. Absolutely. And fast. Literally. Yeah, literally. Okay, we've literally. got a minute left, so we'll uh, – actually, what I'll do, something I don't usually do, but because, you know, 
you're a man with a show as well. Um, you can take us out. You can actually introduce because uh, we always go on out of uh, take down the CCP song. Got on my ringtone and everything. Yeah, we love that song. Yeah, I'll, same. I mean, like I said, this show supports the new federal states of China. That's why I have the flag, you know, with us here next to the New Zealand one. Because until we change a flag or I put the New Freeland flag up, then um, I'll keep that one. Because I know everyone's got different flags and half of them don't even know what they mean, but good on them. It's their identity, their part to um, rally the troops. So that's, why I, I, that's all I care about. So if you take us out, I'll be a lazy host sit here and just uh, let you do it, Adam. Excellent. Well, there we go, guys. Thanks very much. Um, it's been a real pleasure to come on Counterspin. And, uh, you know, great to have you guys watching us and uh, talk to Calvin and everybody. And um, we're going to play you the song to, to take this out, take down the CCP. Now, this song really had a huge influence on us the first time we heard it on this show. And we played it quite a lot. So, you know, really love this song. And just it was a great honour to be on the show. And thanks, everyone, for watching. See you soon.
The evil CCP.